Right, it's Monday. Let's get this show started. Welcome everybody to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. So excited about today's show. You are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. And on the show, I'm going to break down all the high school basketball playoff action in Georgia and Alabama as the Elite Eight is set in Georgia. The Atlanta Hawks get two wins in a row over the weekend. Trey Young with a buzzer beater over Brooklyn. And they hire a new coach, Quinn Snyder, the former Utah Jazz head coach. He's going to take over for the rest of the season. He led the Utah Jazz to six out of the eight seasons in the playoffs. And I will talk about the weekend Columbus State had wrapping up the regular season in basketball, and they will begin Peach Belt Conference play next week. And this clock in spring training, it's starting to become a problem. I think it could be a big problem. I'll get into that, and I'll also talk about the whole Brandon Miller situation at Alabama. Do you play him? Do you not play him? Alabama could compete for a basketball championship, and Brandon Miller, with all the controversy going on, There's mixed reviews about that whole situation. Had a busy weekend. Had a busy Friday. I had WTVM's Tony Reese and WRBL's Rex Castillo both on the show on Friday. I had to divide up that for my Apple podcast just because they were both great interviews and I wanted to keep the interview separate so they could share it with their Facebook friends. And I had a special Saturday edition on my podcast so it's basically two episodes the guest list continue growing because i'm gonna have dave plata on the show tomorrow and i'll also try to get thrift Berenger on the show as well this week as we wrap up elite eight action in georgia we will know who will punch their ticket to the final four as that will be determined this weekend on the third and the fourth of march In Alabama, the Final Four is already set. We have some local teams that punched their ticket to the Final Four last week. We're going to start with the Central Red Devils. You know, when you think of Central, you think of a football school and a baseball school. But the Central Red Devils will take on Spain Park tip-off at 2.30 on March the 2nd at the Bill Harris Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, at this point... It really pays off that I have an NFHS Network account because there are so many games, and I can't travel to all these road games. There are so many games that I want to watch that are fascinating, and I really need to watch it for the podcast so I can break down the highlights. But Central, the Red Devils, congratulations to them. We also have the Valley Rams. I've been trying to get head coach Marshawn Harper on the show. Valley is having a historic undefeated season And in their first two matchups in the playoffs, they dominated. And they're taking on Scottsboro on March the 1st at the Bill Harris Arena. Tip-off for that one is 8.30. So the Valley Boys and the Central Boys both in the Final Four. Now let's go over to the girls bracket as the Lynette Lady Panthers in the Final Four for 2A. That game taken on Cold Springs at 7 p.m. tip-off. 
February the 27th. And then the Lochapoca girls are taking on Spring Garden February the 27th. Tip-off will be at 1 p.m. Such great highlight action. And I'll try to break down the entire brackets throughout the week as we get closer to tournament play in Alabama. Now over to the state of Georgia where we have three talented schools here in the Fountain City that punched their ticket to the Elite Eight. However, because of the GHSA coin flip, all teams will be on the road. Let's start with the Hardaway girls for 4A. They got the 60-30 victory over Fayette County, and they will travel all the way up to Tunnel Hill. That is just outside of Dalton. And the Hardaway Lady Hawks will take on Northwest Whitfield in the Elite Eight, that game is going to be either February 28th or March the 1st. We don't have any times just yet, but I'll try to update it this week on the show. The Carver girls, dominant once again. Jazz Cheney with 29 points as they defeated Morgan County 94-31. to And they punched their ticket to the Elite Eight where they will take on Wesleyan up in Norcross on the road. And you can catch that game on the NFHS Network. Next up, we have the Spencer Boys. They had a rare afternoon game on Saturday, but they got a narrow 58-54 win over Butler. And once again, they will be on the road. They are taking on Providence Christian up in Lilburn. And so one win away from punching their tickets to the Final Four. And the Final Four will be held March the 3rd and the 4th. Also, the Taylor County girls for 1A Division II, they punched their ticket to the Elite Eight. So congratulations to Taylor County. And then the Brookstone girls, they're going to the Final Four after defeating the number two seed Bullock Academy 46-43. They will take on First Presbyterian Day on March the 1st on the campus of Mercer University. And then the St. Ann Pacelli Vikings making history, punching their ticket to the Final Four for the first time in school history, March the 2nd on the campus of Mercer University. And unfortunately, Thrift and I will not be able to call that game because the GIAA has the rights, but we were able to call Brookstone St. Ann Pacelli over the weekend. Pacelli with a 13-point win, 59-46 to over their longtime rival, Brookstone. That was an amazing game, and it was a back-and-forth game. Pacelli went on a run in the third quarter. Brookstone tried to make it close. And you remember, in the regular season, Brookstone lost to Pacelli by 20 both times. And so this was on a neutral court. There were fans from both sides that were out supporting their alma maters, and I think that what head coach Corey Black has done, the Pacelli Vikings are on a mission to win a GIAA state championship. But the road's going to be tough because uh, Stratford Academy, this is where the game was being played. By the way, they have amazing facilities at Stratford Academy. Stratford Academy was able to get the 53-43 victory over Mount DeSales Academy. And so the final four is set in the GIAA. St. Ampicelli will take on George Walton Academy at 7 p.m. on March the 2nd at Mercer University. Stratford Academy is taking on the five-seed Loganville Christian Academy, and that is also going to be taking place on March the 2nd. The championship game 
will be March the 4th at Mercer University. Super excited to see what St. Ampicelli can do as they make a deep run in the GIAA playoffs. Over in the bracket for the GIAA girls, we have George Walton Academy that's going to take on Stratford Academy in the Final Four. George Walton is the number one seed. Stratford Academy is the number four seed. Brookstone just having an amazing Cinderella story. They are the number seven seed after upsetting the number two seed, Bullock Academy. They are taking on the three seed, First Presbyterian Day. FPD defeated the St. Ampicelli Lady Vikings 48-26 in the Elite Eight over the weekend. It was a valiant effort by the Lady Vikings, but their season comes to an end. Going over some of the teams in Georgia, their season did come to an end. Let's start with the Troop County girls. They fell to Baldwin in the Sweet 16, 62-48. You have the LaGrange boys. They lost to Baldwin as well. 57-47 to in the Sweet 16. We had the Spencer girls. They lose to Thompson in the Sweet 16. 64-34. We had the Harris County girls. They lost to Warner Robins in the Sweet 16. 55-43. The Northside Lady Patriots. Um, this was a tough one. I know that they had home court. They were in the top of the bracket. If they would have won, they would have hosted an Elite Eight game next week. But they fell to Union Grove out of Stockbridge. Union Grove is a very dangerous team, and they were able to beat Northside 67-54. to They pulled away in that game. And Irwin County defeats Hurd County 74-64. to Just a lot of action all around Georgia in the playoffs. Schley County lost to Lake Oconee Academy, 63-34. And Chatco falls to Towns County, 66-57. These are actually in the girls' bracket. But I am very impressed with the teams on the men and the women's side up in Noonan. And, you know, with this being a radio station out of Noonan, I got to give props to Fayette County for beating Bainbridge, 51-49. And they punched their ticket to the Elite Eight. In fact, they're going to host an Elite Eight game. The Trinity Christian girls get a huge win over Westover, 49-42. to And Trinity Christian punches their ticket to the Elite Eight. And finally, over in the single-A Division II boys bracket, the Manchester Blue Devils season comes to an end as they were defeated by Green Forest, 60-56. to So right now in Columbus, all the focus is on five teams to try to make a deep run to win a state championship. On the boys' side, you have St. Ampicelli in the GIAA. You have the Spencer boys who won the championship last year. They're looking to repeat, but it's going to be tough because Spencer's going to be on the road. Pacelli is in the Final Four on a neutral court. And then on the girls' side, there are three teams that are remaining out of Columbus. You have the Hardaway girls. They're going to be on the road. The Carver girls are going to be on the road. And the Brookstone girls in the Final Four on the campus of Mercer University. It's going to be a tough task, but I do feel that we will have a champion crowned in Columbus. One of these teams is going to win a championship. I just don't know who. I think that they all have their shot. 
I've seen the way that the Carver girls and the Hardaway girls have played in the first two rounds, and they have been dominant. I really like their chances. Spencer is going to have a tougher road because now that they're going to be on the road in the Elite Eight, they had a very narrow win against Butler. So as high school basketball winds down, don't forget that the St. Mark Foundation by city basketball awards luncheon for the boys and the girls will be at 11 o'clock march the 16th at the saint luke's ministry center sponsored by sports visions i am super excited about this because i've been privileged to call several basketball games with thrift Barringer, and now we're transitioning over to baseball when basketball season is over i'm going to start covering baseball more on this show i had the privilege to help call the St. Ampicelli Glenwood baseball game Friday at Dymel Field with Thrift Behringer. And I got to say, it was a success. It was really just a trial run to see how it would sound. And I think it, it's going to be really good. Uh, Glenwood did win the game 10-1. to Jacob Page threw a complete game and only gave up one run. But there's going to be a lot of coverage for high school baseball and soccer. I want to make sure to give soccer some love and also softball as I'm trying to be as local as possible covering everything in the Chattahoochee Valley. The Columbus River Dragons went down to Biloxi, Mississippi for just one game. They were able to get the 5-4 victory in a shootout over the Mississippi Seawolves and Jay Krupp. Scored a goal. He is now five goals away from 100 career goals and only one point away from 200. The River Dragons are now 31-6-3 with 90 points. They are five points ahead of the second-place team, Danbury, in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And they will host the Bennington Black Bears this Friday and Saturday at the Columbus Civic Center. Puck drop will be 7.30 and you can catch the game. On WQEE 99.1, Tom Callahan on the call. The Columbus Rapids women's team gets their first victory at the Lander Center against the defending NISL champion Memphis Americans 5-2. They were up 3-0 at the half. Olivia Taylor with two goals. Callie O'Connor chipped in a goal. And Columbus held off the Memphis Americans, which were... Down a couple of players. I did not see Kelsey Keon or Ashlyn Jones in the lineup. And Memphis is unbeaten no more in the NISL. The Columbus Rapids, 3-2 and two on the season, and they will travel down to Orlando to take on the Central Florida Crusaders, who they picked up a win over the Tampa Bay Strikers. And after the Strikers starting 2-0, and oh, they have lost two straight, and they are 2-2. Two and two. So right now... The Columbus Rapids are in second place and they will host the Memphis Americans on March the 10th and March 11th at the Columbus Civic Center. Meanwhile, the men's team lost in a heartbreaker to the Memphis Americans. They just can't seem to figure the Memphis Americans out. 8-3, to three, losing two straight at the Lander Center to the Memphis Americans. They had nine players dressed up for this road game, which is a problem. They cannot be competitive in these road games if they're only going to dress nine players. The Rapids are now 3-2 and two on the season, and they will take on the undefeated Central Florida Crusaders. They have the best record in the NISL on the men's side. 
And both the men and women's team will travel to Orlando, Florida this weekend to take on the Central Florida Crusaders. Regular season finales happened over the weekend at the Lumpkin Center as both the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars were able to get victories over Georgia College. Let's start with the Lady Cougars. An 82-78 victory over Georgia College led by leading scorer Latia Reeves. And the Lady Cougars are now wrapping up the regular season in the Peach Belt with a 15-11 overall record with a 9-9 record in the Peach Belt. And they are the number 7 seed. And they will play the number 2 seed in the first round of the Peach Belt Conference Tournament noon on March the 1st against Clayton State. And this tournament will take place in Americus, Georgia on the campus of Georgia Southwestern. The Cougars were able to get the narrow 67-65 victory over Georgia College, led by Jelani James' 16 points. Ladarius Jones had the game-winning basket that put the Cougars on top for good. Columbus State finishes the regular season with a 15-13 overall record, 8-10 in the Peach Belt, and they lock the number 6 seed. They will take on the number 3 seed, North Georgia, up in Augusta, on March the 2nd for the first round of the Peach Belt Conference Tournament. Both the Cougars and Lady Cougars are trying to duplicate going to the NCAA Tournament last year. So good luck to the Cougars and Lady Cougars, and always you can listen to the games on Cougar Radio. The Columbus State baseball team took two out of three against conference foe Lander, won the first two games 11-3 and 7-2, and then dropped the third and final game 13-10 in a shootout on Sunday on the road in Greenwood, South Carolina. Right now, the Columbus State Cougars baseball team is 11-3 overall, and they're doing it with pitching. They have got three studs at starter with Peyton Burton, Noah Windhorst, and Colston Joyner. Coach Greg Appleton has got all the confidence in the world that these can be big-time pitchers that can win conference games. And that's what Columbus State needs to do if they want to duplicate getting back to the Super Regional last season. They are led by Matthew McDade and Derek Wiles. Five home runs, that is leading the team. And they have a three-game series on the road this weekend at Claxton. The Columbus State softball team played five games in three days in the NFCA leadoff classic at the Commons At the South Common Softball Complex, they lost to Carson Newman University 2-1 on Friday and then turned around and defeated number 15 Lincoln Memorial University 8-0. On Saturday, they defeated number 20 Wilmington University 7-3, lost to Wingate University 4-3. Then on Sunday, they defeated Westchester University of Pennsylvania. And the Columbus State Cougars softball team is 8-4 on the season. They will host Southern Wesleyan University for a doubleheader this Tuesday at Cougar Field. And their first Peach Belt Conference Series is going to be on the road this weekend in Milledgeville, where they will take on Georgia College. I love this tournament. I was able to be a part of the NFCA leadoff classic last season because my alma mater was playing in it. And it's just a great event. Because you have 20 schools from the NCAA Division II. Last year, they had over 20 schools from the NAIA playing on multiple fields, multiple games in one day. 
and they determine a winner by who has the best overall record. The LaGrange Lady Panthers, who are having their best season in program history, they fell in the CCS semifinals 75-73 to to Piedmont, and they end the regular season with a 20-7 overall record, 13-3 in the CCS. They will await for a possible at-large bid in the NCAA D3 tournament as they are hoping to get one of the slots. They will have their selection show today to determine who is going to be in the D3 NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, the LaGrange Panthers season ended in the CCS semifinals, losing to Bellhaven 85-68, and they finish the regular season 16-11 overall, 7-5 in the CCS. The LaGrange baseball team took two out of three against Rose Holman over the weekend. They won the first two games 20-3 and 14-2, However, they fell to Rose Holman 6-3 on Sunday at Cleveland Field at Williamson Stadium. And the LaGrange baseball team is 5-2 overall. Their top hitters are Rhett Mixon and Joe Ruth as they will host Adrian this Tuesday at Cleveland Field at Williamson Stadium. And then they get ready for a big three-game series this Saturday and Sunday at Cleveland Field at Williamson Stadium against North Carolina Wesleyan. And as always, you can watch every LaGrange Panthers baseball game on Panthers Live as they try to duplicate their trip to the D3 College World Series last season where they finished fourth place. Congratulations to the Point Lady Skyhawks for winning their first AAC championship in program history by defeating Bryan and earning a berth in the NAIA tournament. They finished 23 and 8 overall, 18 and 6 in conference play, and the Point Skyhawk season abruptly comes to an end by losing to Montreat 69 to 57 and they finish with a 15 and 14 overall record, 14 and 10 in conference play. I spent the first 20 minutes of this show covering all the local stuff that's happening in the Chattahoochee Valley to include Columbus and LaGrange, and that's really what this show is. But we did have some national sports headlines, including some baseball, Atlanta Braves in spring training, and the Atlanta Hawks. They get two victories. Friday night, they defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers in Joe Prunty's first interim game as head coach, and then they beat the Brooklyn Nets yesterday on a buzzer beater by Trey Young and the Hawks are 31 and 30 they are currently in eighth place they would play the Miami Heat in the play-in game but they just received word yesterday that they have agreed to principle to hire the former Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as their new head coach and he is not coaching next year he is actually going to coach the rest of the season this is huge I think that he is going to make the difference and the Atlanta Hawks are going to compete. I think they could even get out of the first round. I think that the Atlanta Hawks will get to the second round. I don't know about the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that Boston and Milwaukee and now Philly are the three teams to beat in the East. Meanwhile, over in the West, and this was the NBA Showcase game on Sunday. I watched a little bit of it. The Dallas Mavericks, they were dominating the Lakers. But then, out of nowhere, Lakers down by 27. LeBron wills his team 
to the victory. And Anthony Davis starting to play like the player he once was when he was playing in the bubble and the Lakers won the championship. When Anthony Davis gets going and LeBron gets going, this new supporting cast could win a playoff game. I'm not going to say they're going to win an NBA title, but they look different. But I just don't think that they can turn it on every single night. They're going to run into some very tough teams. I think that Denver is a very dangerous team as a number one seed. I'm not completely sold on the Clippers with Russell Westbrook. I mean, he put up some good numbers, yet the Clippers still lost to the Sacramento Kings. But then again, I don't trust the Kings in the playoffs. Right now, they are a number three seed. I don't trust them against Dallas. I don't trust them against Phoenix or the Clippers. If they had to face any one of those teams in the playoffs, I think the Kings could lose early in the playoffs. I just don't see Sacramento winning a playoff series. I'm happy they're in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs for the first time since the 2005-2006 season when that last group of players, that core players, with Mike Bibby, Brad Miller, Still had Bobby Jackson, I believe. You know, they traded away Chris Webber. They traded away Peja for Ron Artest. That team was an eight seed, and they played the San Antonio Spurs tough. But that was the last group. That group led by the Maloof brothers. The greatest show on court. Probably the greatest starting five ever assembled not to win an NBA championship. Yes, I'm talking about 2002. I like the fact that the Sacramento Kings are back. I love the fact that they have two superstars, De'Aaron Fox and Domitatis Sabonis. They have an up-and-coming rising star and a rookie, Keegan Murray. And they have a veteran with an NBA ring, Harrison Barnes, who won an NBA championship with the Golden State Warriors back in 2015. Major League Soccer season kicked off at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium this past Saturday in front of 67,000 fans as Atlanta United hosted the San Jose Earthquakes. Earthquakes were up one mil for the majority of the game. And then, the only active MLS player ever to win a World Cup, Thiago Almada, did some magic, scoring in the 90th minute twice to put Atlanta United up 2-1. to one and get the victory. I know if you're an Atlanta United fan, you're sad that Joseph Martinez is no longer on this team. But can we rally around a player like Thiago Almada? Because he's got a World Cup. I mean, that is huge. Won a World Cup with Argentina. He's the only MLS player to do that. I like the players, Brooks Lennon and Luis Arajo, to compliment Thiago Almada. I think Atlanta United can be competitive. I think they're a borderline playoff team in the MLS. They'll take on Toronto FC, a rematch of the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. We did have some top 25 upsets in college basketball. North Carolina beats Virginia. You also have Florida State beating Miami. And the Alabama Crimson Tide survive once again, 86-83 over the Arkansas Razorbacks. I tell you, I don't know how I feel about them playing Brandon Miller. He clearly is the best player in college basketball right now, but he has baggage. If Alabama wants to win a championship in basketball, they're trying to play him because they feel they have the best chance of winning a championship if Brandon Miller is in the lineup. But everything that's been going on in the news with Brandon Miller and his teammate Darius Miles, 
and the legal situation that he is in, I don't know how it plays out. We need to let the legal process just handle its business. But it's really a toss-up whether or not to play Brandon Miller or not. Locally, the Georgia Bulldogs fall once again to another SEC opponent as they lose to Missouri at Stegman Coliseum. And I think Georgia is in danger of not even making the NIT. They still have a much improved season from last year. Last year, they only won six games. And head coach Mike White can only go up from here. Some of the other SEC scores as Auburn got blown out by Kentucky 86-54. to And it wasn't even close. Vanderbilt beat Florida in Nashville. Mississippi State gets the win over Texas A&M. Ole Miss beats LSU. As we have one more regular season left to go before we get into SEC tournament play, here's who I think in the SEC is going to make the tournament. Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Auburn, and Arkansas. Mississippi State is a bubble team. Vanderbilt doesn't have a great overall record, even though they're 9-7 and seven in the SEC. Everybody else, I think that Mississippi State is an NIT team. And I think that Vanderbilt is a borderline NIT team because of their conference record. Over in the ACC, well, Georgia Tech gets the big win over Louisville. And Georgia Tech is 2-17 overall, 4-14 in conference play. And, you know, the ACC is stacked. Is North Carolina a bubble team? Well, after beating Virginia, I think that North Carolina gets into this tournament. Stay tuned for my Bracketology show, which will air tomorrow. Right now, the Pitt Panthers, unranked, but have the best record in the ACC. Miami, Virginia, both lost. Clemson is right there at 13-5. Duke. 21 and 8. They're going to get into the tournament, but a lot of brackets are projecting them to be a number eight seed. And then how about the Kennesaw State Owls winning their first ever Atlantic Sun Championship? They will have a bye and they will have their first round game. They will have a second round game that will air on ESPN Plus on February the 28th as Kennesaw State tries to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. ESPN's Joe Lenardi has got the Kennesaw State Owls projected to be a number 15 seed. But at the minimum, Kennesaw State is going to go to the postseason. They are going to at least get an NIT berth, which is huge for the school because I followed the school ever since I moved to Georgia. My first Kennesaw State game was back in 2005 when they played North Florida. That was right when they made the transition from NCAA Division II to D1. And this is the best season that they've ever had. Head coach Amir Abdul-Rahim has done a great job, and great job by the athletic department for the Kennesaw State Owls to stick with Abdul-Rahim after he was 1-28 in his first season. But hey, also a big shout-out to the Kennesaw State softball team. They upset 7th-ranked Alabama, and I just wanted to throw that in there as well. Are you guys a fan of this new clock in baseball? In effort to speed up the game, Major League Baseball has implemented a 12-second clock for the pitcher and an 8-second clock for the batter. But here's what happened. The Braves' first spring training game, it was the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two outs. 
and two strikes, and the batter was called out on a batter clock violation because he took too much time getting back into the batter's box. I mean, it was a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. The Braves were playing the Red Sox, and that's how the game ended, in a tie. I mean, of course, it's spring training. They're going to figure out the kinks, but these players are going to have to adjust to this clock because this is what baseball is going to be in 2023. I'm very interested to see how this does affect the pace of the game, but a lot of people like the idea of baseball being quicker. Spring training games have taken place this past weekend. The Braves fell to the Yankees on Sunday, and they'll be back at it taking on the Toronto Blue Jays today. A lot of Major League Baseball players are going to take some time off in the next couple of weeks to participate in the World Baseball Classic. Finally, it is here after being away for six years. It was canceled in 2021 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The World Baseball Classic is back. March the 8th through the 21st, as the United States tries to defend their only World Baseball Classic championship they won in 2017. Japan has won this thing twice in 06 and 09. And the Dominican Republic is the odds-on favorite to win it this year. They have got a strong team led by Manny Machado. They won it in 2013. And Puerto Rico might be a dark horse to win the World Baseball Classic. They were the runners-up in 13 and 17. And they got a strong team. But I like the United States' chances. I love their outfield and Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. And you have Tim Anderson also. He's just got a great team. And the pitching. They definitely have the pitchers. And I'm really excited to see the World Baseball Classic. And I'm glad that this event is back. It has been my favorite international event. I missed out on when baseball was taken away from the Olympics in 2012. There was a missing void for two years. was happy to see baseball return to the Olympics in 2020 for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo that happened in 2021. And I'm looking forward to seeing baseball back in the Olympics in 2024 when the Olympics are in Paris. And that's going to be a huge Olympics. Next year, the Olympics in Paris in 2024 will finally have fans. We have not seen an Olympic Games with fans since 2016. The NFL Combine is this week. And I know with the NFL season officially in the offseason, the NFL Combine will determine 40 times and bench presses and wonderlick scores. And it will give general managers and scouts a chance to see who is draftable. And the latest mock draft has the Chicago Bears selecting Jalen Carter, the standout defensive lineman for the University of Georgia. He's got the championship pedigree. He's won two national championships with the Bulldogs. And he was on that line with Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis. And he didn't skip a beat. He was still a dominant defensive end. And it would be the first time in history that Georgia would have the overall number one pick in back-to-back years, and they would both be defensive linemen. That's pretty impressive. At number two, I mean, the Houston Texans need a quarterback. The safe bet here is C.J. Stroud. Now, 
There is a debate on which is going to be the better quarterback, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. They both have a unique skill set, but I think the Texans need to narrow down their search and get their franchise guy. Will Anderson going to the Cardinals. Now, Will Anderson had a very quiet year for Alabama last season, but he still is a very dominant pass rusher, and the Cardinals need somebody to fill the void with J.J. Watt retiring. You know, the Cardinals haven't really had much luck with pass rushers. Chandler Jones now on the Raiders. All right, number four, Bryce Young going to the Indianapolis Colts. Look, Matt Ryan is done in Indy. With Indianapolis has had a quarterback problem since Andrew Luck retired. It's a quarterback carousel. Whether it's Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger is obviously not the answer. They got Bryce Young going to the Colts. At number five, the edge rusher from Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson, going to the Seahawks. This is a gift pick for Seattle, which was originally Denver's pick. But since they traded away Russell Wilson, Denver gives Seattle their pick, and Denver had a terrible season. Seattle surprised a lot of people by Geno Smith making the playoffs. And this is what you need because they need a wrecker. When they had Jadavian Clowney, he literally changed the game for Seattle in several games when he was healthy. But Seattle just haven't had security on both ends since they had Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. The Legion of Boone might be gone, but they do have a lot of young defensive pieces that could get the Legion of Boom back to the way it was when the 12th man was wreaking havoc in their home field, and it was a very tough place to play. But I think Tyree Wilson is the pick here. Number six, we got Anthony Richardson, who's climbing up a lot of people's boards. I know that Florida did not have a very good season, but Anthony Richardson has got all the tools to be a franchise quarterback. And this latest mock draft has got him going to the Detroit Lions. I actually think that he is going to back up Jared Goff because I think that Jared Goff had a very good year for the Lions and they almost snuck into the playoffs. Will Levis going to the Raiders at number seven. So if you look at the quarterbacks, you got four quarterbacks that are going to be projected to go into the top 10 with the Raiders moving off of Derek Carr. They're not going to go after Aaron Rodgers. I think you get your quarterback of the future with Will Levis with this pick. Now, with four quarterbacks going in the top 10, there's a likely chance that one of these quarterbacks is going to be a bust. All right, the Atlanta Falcons, who desperately need a pass rusher. I know that when they drafted Vic Beasley, I mean, now he's in the XFL. That really didn't work out. He had that one great year. They go get another Clemson rusher, Miles Murphy, with this pick. The Falcons actually look like they are going to be a very good team next year, especially with the easy schedule. But you got to get to the quarterback, and you have got to give your offense great field position and get your defense off the field. That's exactly what the Falcons need is a pass rusher that can get double-digit sacks. They have not had this since that one year with Vic Beasley, but before that, John Abraham. That was the last time they had a dominant pass rusher, and they tried with Dante Fowler. They tried with Tack McKinley. It just didn't work out. And the Atlanta Falcons, 
which I still believe that Grady Jarrett is a great interior lineman. They really need to get a pass rusher. Miles Murphy is the pick right here. All right, the Carolina Panthers getting a cornerback, Devin Weatherspoon out of Illinois. This would be a good pick because now you solidify that corner position. You got J.C. Horn on the other side, Devin Weatherspoon, and good luck throwing on Carolina. And then finally, the Philadelphia Eagles, who were in the Super Bowl, they get this pick from the Saints. Cornerback Christian Gonzalez. They already have big play Slay and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But we don't know what it's going to look like in free agency. The Eagles are pretty solid just about everywhere else. So I think this would be a good pick. I know the, the NFL draft is not taking place until April. But we do have the NFL Combine this week. And so that's why I did the mock NFL draft, the latest one that I actually found according to Yahoo Sports. All right, is anybody watching the XFL? Look, don't get me wrong. It's a good brand of football. It just feels weird just having the XFL. I remember when I was in college and the XFL back in 2001, it was a gimmick league. It was wildly entertaining, but it wasn't good football. And then the XFL in 2020 actually looked promising, but it was completely canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we did have a Thursday night game. The St. Louis Battlehawks defeating the Seattle Dragons. A.J. McCarron really has been the story. He actually could play in the NFL. He could be a backup. He was a backup to the Atlanta Falcons, and he got hurt. But he wants to be a star in the XFL, and I don't blame him. And the St. Louis Battlehawks, you know, they get the win over Seattle on Thursday. On Saturday, we only had one game. We had... The D.C. Defenders beating the Vegas Vipers 18-6. You had the San Antonio Brahmas on Sunday defeating the Orlando Guardians 30-12 in front of a packed house. They really love their football in Orlando. And then the Houston Roughnecks just continue to be a dominant team beating the Arlington Renegades. So here's what the standings look like in the XFL. In the North Division, you got the D.C. Defenders taking on the St. Louis Battlehawks. Both of them are 2-0. The Seattle Sea Dragons, and the Vegas Vipers, both 0-2. Now, down in the South Division, we have the Houston Roughnecks at 2-0, the Arlington Renegades at 1-1, the San Antonio Brahmas at 1-1, and then the Orlando Guardians at 0-2. So this league is going to go on all the way until May. We're going to have the USFL come out on the scene in April, So if you are a football fan, you're going to get football all year round. And I know a lot of football fans like that. And, you know, I'll be there calling the Columbus Lions. That is going to be great. The indoor football, they are in the American Indoor Football Alliance. And that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so I'm going to have my Bracketology show today because tomorrow I'm going to have Dave Plata on. And don't forget, I also will have my live show that we do at Ivy Park. So you don't want to miss it. I'll have Thrift Behringer on on Thursday. And then Friday is going to be a best of show because with me going away for two weeks, yeah, I will not have a show on Friday. So... You're going to get the Bracketology show coming up right now. And this is this is going to be according to Bleacher Report. You know, with the new AP poll coming out, 
Yeah, we did have some upsets, but my number one seeds are still intact. It's Houston, Alabama, Kansas, and UCLA. Now that Purdue is lost, Purdue drops to a number two seed. My number two seeds are Purdue, Arizona, Texas, and Baylor. My number three seeds, I got Virginia falling to a number three seed after losing to North Carolina. Virginia, Marquette, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. My number four seeds are Kansas State, Indiana, Creighton, and Providence. My number five seeds are Miami after losing to an unranked Florida State team. Miami, St. Mary's, Xavier, and Northwestern. Number six seeds, UConn, Iowa State, San Diego State, and Providence. Number seven seeds, Northwestern, TCU, Texas A&M, and Kansas State. Number eight seeds is going to be NC State, Pittsburgh, Maryland, and Kentucky. And my number nine seeds, Duke, Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's weird, but I know. Bracketology 101. You got to love it. Here are the first four in. Now, these would be in the play-in game in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Which, by the way, I know we're going to have conference tournaments all week. Selection Sunday is March the 12th. These games would happen on March the 14th. And then the second round of the NCAA tournament would be all day Thursday and Friday on the 16th and 17th, which is my two favorite days of the sports world because I get to watch basketball from noon all the way up until 10 o'clock at night. It is absolutely incredible. Okay, so let's get ready. Our last four in, Wisconsin, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Penn State. The first four out, Mississippi State, New Mexico, Michigan, and North Carolina. All right, that is all the time I have here on the show. I would like to thank all my listeners who have downloaded the podcast. Subscribe to the Facebook and Twitter channel. And stay tuned. I'm going to have Dave Plata on the show tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. I'm just pretty much going to just let him have the whole hour. And we're just going to talk sports. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Because I want to finish our documentary series that we did on the notable athletes here in the Fountain City. And we have a lot of them that we did not cover the last time that he was on the show. All right, sports fans, stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks here on Southern Sports, WQEE 99.1 FM, the key. So I hope everybody has a great rest of your day and enjoy the show tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key from 2 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday, this is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.